I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. Welcome to Above the Garage, a Nick and June, The Handmaid's Tale podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to the spoiler-free analysis of Season 1, Episode 8, which is entitled Jezebels. Let's do our round of introductions. Hi, I'm Wanda. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Hi, I'm Megan. Hi, I'm Violet. Hi, I'm Tina. And I'm Kate. So obviously, we all love this episode. Episode 8 starts out um, with June waking up in Nick's bed. Uh, the morning which light. is my moment. That's my moment. <laughs> that Sorry. is your moment. You want to talk about it, Wanda? That's just the moment I fell in love with Nick and June. <sighs> it's such a good moment. Uh, yeah. So the morning light is coming through the shutters also. So that's kind of stunning that they've they've pulled an all nighter. And like I, Rita has to be awake at this point, making her bread from scratch or whatever. I am curious how that works out. But there was actually a line in the script, I think, that was cut um, about Rita was going to be waking up sooner would be awake. And that's why she had to leave. So oh, really? Right. Yeah. They addressed it. Mm-hmm. Ah. That seems so risky. Like every time I watch yeah. it, I'm like, get out of there, go back now. Like, I don't want you, but then I also don't want them to get caught. So I'm like, everybody's going to see you. It's the middle of the day. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I always wonder where the other guardians are. I'm like, are they yeah, home? they go home at a certain time. So they go home, I think at 11. That's what I read in the book. And then, but like, what is their purpose in that they could even not have coverage? I, I don't know. It's you'd think they would want coverage at night. That's yeah. when <laughs> prowlers prowl, you know. <laughs> yeah. And people sneak, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It made our favorite relationship happen. So I'm I'm on board. But yes, I have these questions too, but I don't need answers. Let's just let them be together. And she's saying, I want to know him, memorize him so I can live on the image later. I have the it's transcript important. you want me to read it. Yeah, um, it's important. Read it. I like her inner monologue. I think Ginger said it before that she liked this episode because in the last one, she finds out that Luke is alive. In this one, she starts off with being with Nick and she has this voiceover where she actually says, Luke is alive. I stretch out my arms to him, but he slips away like a ghost at daybreak. daybreak. And I am left here. I wish this story were different. I wish it showed me in a better light. In a different story, maybe I wouldn't be such a fucking weakling. So I've gone back to Nick time and after time on my own. I want to know him, memorize him so I can live on the image later. I should have done that with Luke because he's fading. Day by day and night by night he recedes and I become more faithless. I could say these are acts of rebellion, a fuck you to the patriarchy, but those are excuses. I'm here because it feels good and because I don't want to be alone. Yeah. I love that. And then she starts uh, looking around his room and she's like playing with his dog tags when he wakes up. And I absolutely love that part too, because she yeah. looks so, she look, he says June yeah. and she looks so guilty. And yeah. he she's like says, so shy and cute when yeah. she turns around. It's so cute. And, and the you smile know, on his face is so adorable. Oh, oh my God, that smile. I know. Like, <laughs> not so bothered. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Not bothered at all. He's not bothered at all. No. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I like her going and snooping around right after she says she wants to get to know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she means it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know him. I'm going to look at his dog tags. I'm going to snoop. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. So he looks like she looks so guilty and he looks adorable. Like he doesn't care at all. And then he pulls her back into bed. And um, I love that scene. Like so much happens in the next like 10 seconds that is adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like memorizing her, like she's just said. And also I think he slips in like a kiss that maybe, I don't know if Lizzie mm-hmm. knew about that or not. Cause she suddenly has this like huge smile that like disappears quickly. And then as she's getting up again, he's kneading her arm and um, like playing like twisties with her hand. Like he's just so tactile. Twisties. I don't know how else to say it. What would I love you say? That. No, I love that. I love yeah. Is there a word? I don't know. I, I, let's go with twisties. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then they immediately get really sad. But the whole like, I don't know how many seconds that is of cuteness beforehand. I love. 
Yeah, I love how it's pretty much like, I mean, you, you already said it, but pretty much how, like when, when Nick says her name and smiles at her, it's like just this like adorable little like domestic moment where you're like, this is what they would be like if Gilead didn't exist. This is like how a normal relationship would be, right? And then within 10 seconds, it's like, your heart Reality. is like full and then it's breaking and you're just like yeah. crushed just like that's crushes the, your soul <laughs> that's always the case with with them they get a, yeah. a moment of respite and then they're hit with the fact that they're still in gilead that's yeah. always yeah, back to reality yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. knew it so well in like such a short time in this this scene i feel like is the most i agree the, the most, number of emotions yeah, yeah like the number of emotions that pass through their faces mm-hmm. in that small span of time uh, yeah, exactly. all right so we get sad now she's getting dressed again and he flashes back to remembering how he got to this place in gilead very important yeah yes. and it's the only time we see him out of black i think mm-hmm. um yes. i much i much prefer him in the black his his shirt and tie combo is something in this scene you know what i like to imagine though i like to imagine like you know clearly he didn't have much money like he wanted to dress nice so he's like i gotta put on a tie and it doesn't matter if the tie doesn't match oh, but i make me sad you know Tina. what i'm saying but like i've got to wear a tie <laughs> so like he was trying his best i know but that's that's kind of how that's kind of why i imagine it's so mismatched is he was just kind of trying to look nice and so he just oh. threw on a bunch of you know, nice clothes anyway I think they also just did a really good job with like I mean the makeup and like, I don't even know if he has makeup he might not but just the whole way that they like made him look younger like you can just tell yeah I mean it's partly the clothes I guess the wardrobe but yeah, yeah. I, you, you can tell very clearly that he's younger in that scene Max is so good at acting differently too like you can tell this yeah hasn't, yeah hasn't he's a little bit more of, he's more he says of a more words head, more like emotional than, <laughs> that's true too yeah he says yeah. more and he he reacts more yeah. to things he's not as like masked obviously he's not broken yet yeah mm-hmm. everybody breaks <sighs> so we find out he's had trouble keeping a job and the guy behind him is causing you know he's calling him a loser and such and he ends up like pushing that guy and accidentally i think punching price out of you know he didn't mean to punch price but he wanted to react he was reacting strongly can we just talk about price for a minute with with regard Mm -hmm. to that and talk about price what he's talking uh, to nick about is he's already i think he's already seducing or has seduced nick in a way because he's called in a favor for him to get a job remember he said you i called in a favor for you yes um so i just wanted to point that out yeah, that's very important. Imply they've seen each other for several months. Yeah, he's been going to the career center. And he's aware like of Nick's situation. Busy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it he's looks like it's a pretty him. busy place, so that's the sign of the times. There. I mean, it looks like everybody was kind of struggling, and it was yeah. obviously the start of the economic downturn. And he's a young it, guy. I can't imagine people in that age group being able to get much work, especially if he's not old enough to have completed college or. I feel mm-hmm. really bad for those young men in the like, I would say like 17 to like 22 year range there. I mean, before they could grab, there's nothing for them. Really. Right. And one that's but, supporting his family. is just like right. worse. Desperate mm-hmm. times. Something I think is interesting is, did you guys notice the name of the place was Worthy Path yeah. Career Counseling? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the, the symbol is a hand with a candle on it. And it, it, to me, it kind of looked like an eye. I don't know. Maybe that's just it. me. I'm no, totally. I didn't yeah. think about that at all, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm sure that was on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It has um, a religious vibe to it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like worthy path. They use religion and stuff. Loaded for, language. In typical Gilead, they have, well, leading to Gilead, but there's sirens in the background in most of these scenes where bad things I think, are happening. Um, when Price was talking to him, he kind of dismissed them. Like, there's nothing I can do for you anymore. Like, he was kind of drier. And I think he saw something when Nick reacted and punched the guy that that's what like kind of told him I need to get this guy like mm. for some reason it gave me that impression because he was very dismissive to him even though we do know that they had been talking for a while and he was aware like Tina said of his situation I just think <laughs> he's he's been watching Nick the whole time and sort of because that's what they do what recruiters into cults do they target a person and then they start out the seduction process so I think they were sort of watching Nick and Price put himself in that position for the very purpose of recruiting these people who are down yeah. on your luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know. And I'm sure, like you said, the aggression or whatever, like this, the, the way that he turned on that guy, like shows that he, it shows the desperation, like even more, like that he's just so frustrated with everything and like yeah. ready to take risks and do whatever. So yeah, he knocked him out with one punch. The guy was bigger. Yeah, so right. That he too. just got like, up. He's you strong, know? a strong guy. Yeah. So yeah, I think all that had something to do. So Price offers to buy him a cup of coffee, and in the coffee shop, we learn that his dad uh, has lost his job at Steelworks, and his brother Joshua scammed the government into disability and started drinking all the time. And then he said he just gave up. And was it wasn't Nick working at the steel mill too? All three of them? It sounds to me like all three of them were. And yeah. then I assume his dad took a quarter pension. Got a pension because he'd probably been working there. I imagine his whole yeah. life. And the, the, and Josh the boys and, did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So we learn here that. You know, at this point, when he's talking to Price, uh, it sounds like Josh is still alive right now because he says he takes his coffee with the Jim Beam. Jim Beam. Jim Beam. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick is struggling to care for him and his dad and hold down jobs at the same time while he's trying to like keep track of Josh, who disappears for weeks at a time. And so, you know, it gives us more of a background as to why he's had trouble holding down jobs and keeps trying so hard to get them. And then Price misquotes the Bible. I love that. He says, uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop, as the good book says. I love when uh, Nick calls him out. He's like, you know, yeah. that's not actually the Bible. the Bible, right? That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and Price, I feel like, like he, he was trying testing him there. Like he yeah. was testing his knowledge there. Yeah, um, Price that's says, what it felt yeah. like. He was looking at him, waiting to see if he could catch it. And then yeah. he went for his in with the Right. No, that's how yeah. I felt too. And I was... Anyway, I'm proud of Nick, but then you wonder, well, how does Nick know the Bible so well? I wish we got more of his backstory. It also, Price was talking about how hard it was making it in a society that only cares about profit and pleasure. So I just wanted to point those things out that another seduction thing, that's what yeah. they do with cult in cults. Yeah, these are all yes. seeds he's planting, sure. He also Go says, um, no wonder so God has turned his back on us. Mm-hmm. showing that this is God's punishment, the state that we're in right now yeah. is, is a form of God's punishment. Yeah. And then we are going to clean up this country when he brings up the sons of Jacob. You yeah. Know, I've got a plan. We're going to clean up this country, you know, makes it sound like they're, they're good, which is another thing. Um, you know, Juan, yeah. we've been talking about cults is they deliberately withhold information to hide their intent. So when, you know, you're approaching a new recruit, you're not going to say, well, our plan is to turn women into concubines. Right. And, you know, violently take over the country, you know, he's going to gauge his interest by saying, oh, no, we're going to clean up the country. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to help. You know, there's no way Nick would have gone into it if he had led with what it would eventually become. Right. That's that's by design. That's propaganda. Yeah, that's propaganda. That's what they do. They Mm -hmm. tell you what you want to hear. And even though the indirect things of what they want to do is there, people don't listen to that. People listen to they're desperate. So they're going to listen to what they need and try to get what they need. That's how he hooks them as well. He says, you know, maybe there's a job in there for you. Yeah. And that's when he kind of switches his, he was kind of like skeptical when he was listening to him at first. But mm-hmm. when he says that, you see that, you know, Max does that really good. He changes his, yeah. like, you can okay, maybe. Like, they- see it really well on his face. He's like, oh, well, it sounds a little funny, but I need a job. You're telling mm-hmm. me I could have a job. Right. A job that would work with me so I can take care of my family. I'm surprised he wasn't like, well, do you have benefits? Like, can yeah. I get dental? Like, does your cult <laughs> have dental? Um, At this point, he probably doesn't even care. He's right. just wanting to <laughs> keep the lights on and help yeah. his family. Yeah. Um, right. Desperate. Price is offering to solve a problem. And that's another thing that hooks them and gets them in is that they offer a solution to their problem. Mm-hmm. There were a few notes in the script that I think are interesting in this scene that I think really show Price's intent. So there was a, a mention in the script that Price was taking advantage of him. And there, the quote in the script was that he was targeting his Nick's loyalty to his family. And by doing that, he zeroed in on Nick's Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. So he knew that would be a way to hook him. And there was another note that said Price knew he was giving Nick a lifeline with his offer. So that really affirmed, you know, how desperate he was to get a job and to, you know, help out his family. To me, if you're offering someone a lifeline, you know, they're going to take it regardless of if it's a cult, which it, you know, it was. So, yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting too, like uh, when Price was talking about, you know, the state of the world, basically. And Nick says, 
there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just like such a, it's basically what Nick's been struggling with even all throughout season one. So, you know, he's talking to Price thinking that maybe, maybe this is going to solve that. And instead he's still stuck in the exact same patterns of there's nothing you can do about it. I'm in this world where I feel helpless and it's terrible. And it's just sad for Nick. He's probably felt like that for almost all of his life. Yeah. I just want to talk about Nick's age also. I, I think from our calculations, he can't be older than like 19, right? Yeah. 18 or 19. I'd say 18 to 21 tops. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think so too. I feel like um, when he's discussed sometimes online, it's not taken into consideration that he is so young. It's not taken into consideration that, that he was a target because he was some bum. I mean, when these people target people, they're not looking for the look, the lowest of the low. They're looking for the best of, of the best. And right. they want the people with the most potential. And mm-hmm. most people who are targeted, they're just in a position where they're desperate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where Nick was. I also it's feel like just Nick being like that age, it, it kind of hits you even harder, just how cynical and exhausted he seems. Do you know what I mean? Like he's like 19 or whatever. And he's already mm-hmm. just like, so overwhelmed by life like just all the things that he's had to deal with and yeah Yeah. you can just see it on his face in that scene and where is his mom you know yeah Yeah. that's what i want to know the only thing people see is that well he joined the terrorist group that took away women's rights that's the only thing people see people don't analyze why did he get there and why throughout four seasons we haven't seen him believe in what he signed up for so at some point that we don't know he realized that he made a mistake and we see that he carries that guilt throughout the four seasons. So people, you, you talk to people about recruiting and dating, uh, the sense of Jacob didn't walk around with brochures saying like, we're going to rape women every month. That's right. not what was said. 2016 America is a perfect example of how propaganda works and how people simply said, well, that's locker room talk. That's how he talks. He's going to change the economy. And you know, we all saw what happened from 2016 to 2020. Initially, when you, when Price is talking, it's, we're going to clean up this place. We're going right. to help bring back the economy. It's all really positive. Mm-hmm. I don't even think at this point, Price even knows about, they're, they, they, they don't even know about the handmade system yet. It they don't. even been developed, developed at that right. time. So he might not even know that. Yeah. yeah, you know, he doesn't know. So he's basically like, we're just have this group that's full of people who want to, you know, right all the wrongs in this country and get the economy back and get back to good old fashioned values. And he's probably like, okay, well, yeah. my life sucks right now. Right. That sounds nice. Yeah. Like, I need a job. The entire scene, everything Price says to him, if you didn't know where it was going, it's not bad in itself like it doesn't sound bad by itself you could watch that in a different context and be like oh this guy's trying to help like without knowing where it goes so Mm -hmm. yeah exactly totally he came for help and why would he even question that he wasn't helping he was going to him for several months to get his help and then now he's offering another lifeline why wouldn't he take this one as well you know and he was at the old navy last month you know okay i'll be your driver next yeah. month why why wouldn't he just keep doing what he's always been doing right. trust this guy and you're gonna work with me when i need to take off all like real quickly to go take care of my brother you're gonna work with me right because right. we have family values we we you we care about you getting to take care of your family son mm-hmm. yes you can leave and go take care of your brother if you need to mm-hmm. and we won't hold that against you yeah that's, exactly. that's enormous that is all he yeah. needed yep. to hear right there price specifically says to him you're not alone son and yeah like, imagine how alone nick has felt that's another thing to yeah. get people in he knows everything to say yeah. that nick nick wants to hear you know yeah my last note in that scene too is the sign in the background wanted good woman i like that <laughs> he got one yeah so then we flash back to current time and fred is in her room waiting in june's room waiting for her and she walks in and he says, hi, how's my fair little one this evening? Up for vomit. some excitement. I mean, literally, I wrote vomit in my <laughs> yeah. after how's my fair little one this evening. So what awful. does that mean? I don't like, know. Every word of it is bad. say that? In a... <laughs> oh, uh, this is bad. Everything's mine. bad. It's all yeah, bad. Yeah. It's all bad. <laughs> but- but uh, Red says, up for some excitement. Thought we could do something different tonight. And it's funny when June says, Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, 
first they need to take care of her legs and and move into the bathroom to start shaving her legs more vomit this is yes so gross uh first of all joe finds is amazing at playing such a creepy creepy person yeah one of my notes is the thing it's so voyeuristic and creepy and i know that's the point and it works so (laughs) well like the whole scene is just so uncomfortable vibe is that's what they were going for and nailed Nailed it. it nailed it yeah I there there are also just like so many points during this where he says something it doesn't give the full information I mean it's just through this whole episode where he tells her something like we're gonna take care of your legs okay what the hell does that mean she had a second there where she probably was like what what's the plan here (laughs) I don't understand (laughs) that's a good point I I think like while I was watching it this last time I kept thinking that like every 30 seconds that he was saying some creepy thing that she was probably like spiraling in her mind about what is he what does this mean like what is happening and she never knows what's happening he never tells her what's about to happen as they continue through this evening of yeah and that's that's fucked up too yeah pretty bad that's abusive you know like he's how terrifying in that place to be like okay we're going on this adventure where you're wearing hardly anything which is completely against the rules and you'll get killed for and we're gonna get in the car and we're gonna go through checkpoint like it's just every single step of it like you said is is terrifying for her mm-hmm. and he's acting like this is some fun yeah. you know evening out a surprise that she's excited by it's just inhumane the way yeah i think what bothers me like shaving her legs were exciting her yeah yeah yes like oh. it was a- i can tell you've done this before you creep like yes. i mean you're good at this i can tell she says it. Done yeah. this she's already being abused with the ceremonies and and then he takes her out again and raping her again is just well and this is almost worse you yeah. know i mean because, mentally yeah. when they're doing the ceremonies i mean they were at the red center and you know they were telling these girls exactly how it's going to be right mm-hmm. so they're preparing it's not like it was just an assault like in the back alley which is traumatic I mean everything is traumatic but they were like preparing for it and this is outside of the norm so how scary for her yeah yeah she has to pretend to like it yeah right right I mean that is a whole new level level of abuse to make them pretend like they are enjoying their rapes you Mm -hmm. know and that is what is required of her right now that's what he's requiring her and that's why absolutely and that's why it's tied in with you know we'll get to it but the memories of the former off-road killing herself you know because Mm -hmm. it's when it's already so horrible but when you add on layers of having to act like you like something like that it's just so much he's prepping her to rape her basically and he's justifying it like it's a cute date like it's a surprise and being charming which he's not being charming he's creepy as fuck but He's prepping her and grooming her to go take her, take a drink, have a drink, and then rape her. Because yeah. no matter what, yeah. he justifies it by his laws. It's still a rape. Well, and how narcissistic of him to think that she's going to love this. Like, yeah. well, in his totally. mind, he's like, I'm showing her a good time. She must think I'm awesome. You know, he's like, <laughs> right. delusional. Uh. It's like, no, dude. She doesn't want to <laughs> go there with you. That's <laughs> totally Ew. delusional when she said like handmaids aren't allowed razors so like it's just more acknowledgement that everybody that wrote these rules that runs this place they know that the handmaids lives are suicidally awful and also i thought that was extra disgusting so she says she gets a razor once a month from rita to shave her legs i assume it's before the ceremony Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. they make her shave her legs so she can go get raped yeah. Isn't yeah. that disgusting? Yeah, yeah she yeah. has to groom herself well, to get raped. She has to groom herself for him, but yeah. I assume for his pleasure, yeah. which I just, oh, just oh. that thought just turned my stomach. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah. That's nasty. Yeah. So that the outfit was where I had a, a small, you know, maybe epiphany. I don't know. It might be nothing. But I was thinking like, okay, so where he obviously got that whole outfit like on a black market situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, through Jezebel's or something. Who would he have maybe sent to go pick that up? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm. driver. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Bad. That depressed oh, me. Poor Nick. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, he was getting it knowing exactly what Fred was going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. If Yeah. I guess if he saw, he might just pick a box, but yeah. I was surprised uh, when he even left the room to let her get dressed because he's been so creepy in this episode. True. 
not that it makes anything better but yeah no that is um, a sad thought and the makeup too probably Nick had to yeah up and the shoes I'm sure yeah he would be sent to do all of that he's so sad in the rest of this episode I can't like deal yeah (laughs) yeah so she comes out and he says you look stunning and she does by the way she looks beautiful but it's a fucked up situation so oh and he takes her hair down and smells her yeah exactly so much vomit and says tonight I'm taking you out and she looks terrified like she knows how dangerous it is she doesn't know what she's walking into to begin with and whatever it is it's not worth the danger that she's about to assume and she walks downstairs and walks out and Nick sees her and she smiles because she knows she looks pretty I think like not a big smile but I think that she does at least like Nick seeing her looking out of her Gilead dress and they maintain eye contact and my one of my favorite moments in the show is him putting that jacket on her and and squeezing her arms like her closing her eyes so see i I love i see i hate that that's fair i just i don't like that moment at all this is so painful for him it looks like it is yeah so painful the whole scene like i feel like him seeing her like that he he can't even think about oh she's pretty it's just like Mm -hmm. she's literally being dressed up to be raped like and he's like watching this unfold the way he looks at her and everything is very depressed yeah yeah Yeah. and that's actually a thread throughout the script through the whole episode is he's not jealous that's Mm -hmm. not what it is he's helpless he's self-loathing and he hates fred and the script was very clear through the whole episode Mm-hmm. He is just concerned about June. Right. Yeah. He's worried about her. He hates Fred. He hates what is happening. And it's, but it's not jealousy. That's not mm-hmm. right. What it is. So, yeah, I didn't course, get yeah. that at all. So, they, they, the actors played that perfect because I yeah. never got yeah. that he was jealous. Yeah. I just got that he was just so sad about yeah. what was going to yeah. happen. He and he, he was so helpless. Right. Yeah. He mm-hmm. can't do anything to help yeah. her. And he's bringing her to go get raped. You know, yes. at a hotel. I mean, and how terrible that he has to. It's yep. so heartbreaking. Ugh. Yeah. And then compounded by the the previous offered and him knowing what happened to her, and obviously we haven't gotten there yet, but just right. all of that is going through his mind at this point when he's seeing June oh, being taken through the same sad, steps. This yeah. is such a sad episode, Wanda. You're right. Yeah. The end of that scene, though, when Fred and June walk away, and he's like staring after them. Mm-hmm. It's just like murderous stare (laughs) i love all the shots of them when he's driving them in the car all those shots of his eyes in the rearview mirror are amazing you can see how pissed he is how hurt he is just max is so good scared for june yeah just like acting with like the three inches in the rearview mirror it's just (laughs) amazing like you can see all of that in his eyes are so expressive um, and then Fred's holding her hand in the car and she's like staring down at the hands and in discomfort. And like you said, Nick keeps making eye contact with her. They get to the checkpoint. Dogs are barking like always. And he says, tonight you aren't you. Uh, Fred says that to June. And that's, that's for sure. And he says, past the gateway, wives aren't even allowed. Women aren't allowed. And she tells, she's speaking to herself. We must be crossing the Charles into Boston. I've never been out this far, not since the Red Center. And then, and Nick's making eye contact with June and he flashes back into driving Price, Guthrie, and Waterford when they're coming up with the handmade system. Yeah. And saying all fertile women should be collected and impregnated by those of superior status. Of course. Asshole. Yeah. And uh, Price objects to concubines uh, weekly because then Waterford says his wife won't support it and then Price says the wife should be there for the act and make it the scriptural there's scriptural precedent for it Waterford decides to call it ceremony so Price's objections were were too weak to be counted here he was on board immediately the wives yeah. will eat that shit up Guthrie says I hate Guthrie he's disgusting yeah they're, he's all, disgusting. Oh, he's they're, all, they're all the worst yeah and let's yeah. just say this year the can-made idea rounding up all of our woman comes from Guthrie that is going right. to come up later we need to yes. state that right Facts. now for the record Mm-hmm. Well, that is a fact. Yeah. yeah, true. Well, like always, they're using religious justification to justify whatever they mm-hmm. want to do. Yeah, cherry pick it. Go ahead. I did kind of wonder, like, if any, I mean, this is probably not true at all because Price is like not, he's pretty terrible. Just the fact that he seems to have, to continue having that, like, we're going to clean things up, we're going to clean up Gilead, like, even later when Nick is talking to him about the eyes. So I kind of wondered if maybe there was like a, a part of him that was playing along in the car, like just a little bit. Yeah. But- oh, I think so. I think he got to himself to the point where 
he's even in a comply or die situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think he had very different ideas. Yeah. But the people who were more obviously wicked yeah. and very willful, they they took over those people mm-hmm. who had those. I mean, evil took over here. And honestly, he had to conform. I yeah. mean, he had to try to survive too. I mean, he's not yeah. a good guy, but he didn't want uh, it at least to be like this, I don't think. I think he was eyes- making a move. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, go making ahead, a go. move to consolidate power. I mean, it was the three of them. We see later on what happens with Guthrie. And then we see what happens with Nick in Waterford, what Nick's assignment right. is. So in my mind, it looks like this guy's a little paranoid and he's trying to consolidate power, get Guthrie out of the way and watch Waterford. Trying to flush them out. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to start the first of the commander purges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right. Bryce seems like the most likable of them. And I guess I often also hoped that like maybe he's not all bad. I don't yeah. think we ever get an answer to that, but I like <laughs> I like your theory. I mean, Everybody- I, think, I think just the whole concept of him like being being over the eyes and, and trying to like spy on the commanders like that shows something yeah. with him that he's yeah. trying to root out the, the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Some some kind of integrity, some like yeah. a little a smidge like a of it. Little bit. Yeah, a smidge of it. Yeah. <laughs> Price does say that he wants the girls to be treated respectfully as respectfully as that could be. Like it's impossible, mm. but he had this idea where they didn't want to be treated the way they're being treated. So I mean it doesn't yeah. justify anything, but at least like Tina says, there's some sort of integrity of some kind, mm-hmm. if that can be called out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm lesser of two evil type of thing yeah i mean you kind of look at who nick aligns himself with too that just give you a clue and then guthrie and price get out and waterford talks to nick for the first time and is introduced to nick for the first time and asks his opinion and nick just says i think you're right sir it's been better not to form attachments and then he flashes forward to jezebel's where can see that that's true because he's very much formed right. an attachment to someone and it's breaking his heart i don't know if there was like a cut line maybe you can correct me where they clarify that what he meant when he said that line was it's better not to form attachments because he was thinking about his brother yeah, yeah. That that's somewhere. what i heard too that was in the script yeah so it wasn't a line he was going to speak but it was in the you know written in the notes that mm-hmm. um what he specifically was referring to is that he had to leave his brother so i guess we don't know i know we know nick is from michigan i don't know where that's taking place but i i assume they pulled nick out of michigan mm-hmm. yeah but yeah so he was thinking about his brother when he said that line and how mm-hmm. he had to leave him yeah people always assume that the not forming attachments is just a reference to him not forming attachments to june which is ridiculous crazy but, right yeah. clearly nick is a very loyal person and whatever happened you know with his brother it is heartbreaking really quick aside about them in the car like i found mm-hmm. it really interesting how fred when when June like ducks down into his lap when they go past the checkpoint and it's like well that's not really you're not really hiding right. it's yes. so easy for them to see her there so like clearly Fred has this established thing with the with the guards because otherwise he would be more concerned about yeah what he's doing so then you have to ask is he putting June through this shit to further like I don't know to like have some kind of power move in the scene because I think you're I right. I almost feel like she wouldn't have had to hide because she's not really hidden. You either and... have to really hide or not hide. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it like was he's... totally a game. It was a yeah, game. Exactly, yeah. A game. yeah, exactly. A game. It was it was a game like, oh, look at how risky this is. Right, right. He wants you to feel like he's doing something <laughs> like, exciting. Oh my, I'm just, I'm gonna show you something so cool. <laughs> like, I mean, he's just ew. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. I think you're right. She yeah. can feel like um she's he's protecting her. Uh, get right. yes, I'll take care of yes, you. Yes, yes. When he's not he really. Was also, he was also bragging about what they were doing in Gilead when he was showing her around. He was bragging about something. So I guess he was just trying to like make himself look bigger or, you know, stronger or whatever he needs to feel better about him. trying to impress her. I mean. Big strong yeah, man. Thank you. He sucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they get to Jezebel's and they're walking in and the elevator scene. Nick just looks so fucking sad this entire time and uh, getting off the elevator and he puts her earring on and says, doesn't she look beautiful? And he sadly says, yes, sir. Breaks my heart. 
I know. Yeah. And I start walking in and the music playing is White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. And I love that. I, I do too. I love it's the song. Perfect I, song for that moment. It must yeah. have been exactly how she felt like yeah. Alice going yeah. into Wonderland, this like mm-hmm. unreal place. Yeah. And then when she sees Moira, also Moira is dressed as a white rabbit and she follows her into the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Like, very, oh, yeah. very Alice in Wonderland. That? Luke and um, June used to go to that hotel. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned that on the, I know mm-hmm. I, that blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So that was in the script, the... Wanda. Yeah. Was it? Yes. There was a note oh. in the script. That's the hotel where they had their affair? Yeah. Yeah. That was their rendezvous. That's crazy. That is mind-blowing. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Did you guys expect when the first time you saw it for Jezebel's to be what it was? Like when you actually realized what did you guys think it was going to be like a whorehouse, which is what it is? Yeah. I just don't remember. I think so, but I don't remember for sure. It's been so long. It's been too long for me. I was, I was, um, I guess I'm, maybe I'm naive, but I was shocked. I mean, I shouldn't have been shocked because we know that, you know, that's usually how they bend the rules, but I was, I was, I was shocked. I was really shocked. I just remember that. Oh, but you were shocked by what was going on there or what? Exactly. I was shocked because I, I first time, I mean, I think it's a naive reason now that I've seen the show and like, I know what they stand for. And I've seen this before that I, I wasn't maybe expecting to see it in Gilead, you know, oh, okay. like, and it was just like, are you what these motherfuckers? Oh, they're all hypocrites once they get yeah. Out. You can hear the hypocrisy with Fred when he says, What exactly does he say? Um, well, we know you're not perfect after all, people are not perfect after all, or something like that. I forget exactly what the what the saying was, but that's hypocritical, where they took away June's baby because she she was an adulteress mm-hmm. and they're all adulteresses. They're all yeah. adulterers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but we understand that no one's perfect. They're meaning just them, not, yeah. not right. the women. That's why I think my they reaction get a pass, was though. they're men. They get a pass. <laughs> yeah. I was well, stunned, but not surprised, I guess this is probably how I felt about it. Like, Oh wow, this is all going on. But then like two seconds later, it didn't surprise me one yeah. bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, she asks him, you know, she says, you know, I thought these kind of places were forbidden. And he says, um, officially or unofficially, we turn a blind eye. Everyone's human after all. Is what oh, yeah, says. that's exactly. Mm. The right Do you guys know who Jezebel was in history? No. In the Bible? And, I, and well, she was a ninth century Phoenician princess that married the prince of Israel. And Israel was divided. And um, obviously the people of Israel believed in Yahweh. And mm-hmm. uh, she was pagan. Where she came from, they still believed in many gods, especially Baal, which is the god of nature. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when they got married, it was just a big clusterfuck. And eventually, they kill her. They threw her off the, the balcony from her room. She got trampled by horses and eaten by dogs. But before she was thrown off the window, she put on her makeup and her dress. And obviously, throughout history, they've used her to identify fallen women or just women that speak their mind or witches or prostitutes Mm. whores or just women that don't conform to the traditional role that we should all have in society that's really interesting Mm -hmm. put on her makeup and her dress first yeah circling back really quick to when fred and nick are standing there with june and fred hands him the coat and nick's Mm -hmm. like staring at her and so he like the coat just kind of falls into his arm for a second. I just thought again about another like example for the files of Fred being totally oblivious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotta make that video compilation. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it'll be long. All of the moments very that percent. he should have yeah. seen what was going on and didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing that Fred tells her that I noticed because I had the subtitles on when they're walking through Jezebel's, he mm-hmm. tells her, don't gawk. Yeah. <laughs> As he's walking here into a into a, a whorehouse in the middle of Gilead. Like what what did you expect her to do? And why shouldn't she go? And why shouldn't yeah, exactly. So I just just what anyway, that just struck me as yeah, I didn't have the subtitles on, so yeah. I didn't see that. That's wow. Wow, Fred. He tells that the women that are there, the women that couldn't assimilate. Because she asked, like, who are all these people? And he, oblivious as he is, says, oh, they're important people, like social dignitaries. She's like, I meant the woman. Yeah. And he's like, woman who couldn't assimilate. Like, 
the one over there, she's a sociology professor, lawyers, CEO, and journalists. So again, women that don't, you know. The next thing he says, Scarlett, we've got quite the collection. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I was Ooh. getting there. <laughs> oh. And he says that they prefer it there. They prefer um, it to the colonies. Yeah, because it's either you go to the colonies to die or you go to get raped and be a sex worker after, you know, you get a college education and you have a profession and you're enlightened or whatever you want to call it. That's what they think you should go be a collection for these men to have fun. Because he even says that you can actually have a good conversation if that's what you're looking for. A fucking piece of shit. It's so upsetting. Fucking hate Fred. I'm sorry. Like That's not what we're interested in. (laughs) It's so upsetting to watch all of that. Yeah. So she sees Moira and she follows Moira to the bathroom and they're both like, you know, sobbing. And Moira's like, I'm so sorry. I left you at the train. June's like, it's okay. It's okay. And such it's such a good scene. It's such yeah, a good scene. That is. I, I love when they are reunited. And um, June, June says, Janine says, Janine told me you're a dad. And Moira <laughs> says, you believe that crazy bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Even people that didn't know Janine very long, uh, <laughs> they know her. <laughs> I love then, their friendship so much. I do Moira too. And I do so too. Great. And then um, some dumb woman tells Moira to get back out there. She just came to the bathroom. Some dumb woman. That's the point. <laughs> it was very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and then they switch to Nick and Beth in the kitchen, and they're going through their their trades and. Uh, brandy scotch vodka you got hair dye um that's what beth is giving her and they're so friendly to each other and i love their friendship yeah sweet yeah he doesn't talk that way to other people and it's just Mm -mm. nice and then he trades her um a lot of medicine and ketamine which uh she says the men have sleeping beauty fantasies and that sucks so she at least balances out with well the women use it too to drug the men and go through their phone so that's the only nice thing she gets pregnancy and tests he says, too. Thank you for your service yeah. for doing that because they're snooping on the commanders when they're mm-hmm. the yes. obviously giving Nick the intel. Absolutely. Thank Good you point, for the eyes. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he gives her herbs, just like you know. I love. I love that he brought her like a special gift that he yeah. knew she would like. Yeah. Like, it was just very sweet of him to do that. Yeah. I love that too. And, and also like, just kind of shows him being okay with like taking little risks like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Beth says, you know, stick around for some food. And she just casually drops that she uh, had a James Beard nomination. So clearly she's an amazing chef and she refuses. And then she um, makes a different offer. She grabs him suggestively and he really like says no he rejects her advances and i like that scene a lot because yeah. if they mm-hmm. that scene is just a, a little tiny scene that i know that a lot of people like didn't even pay attention to but it's really important because they wouldn't have used you know that scene if it didn't mean anything and it just yeah. shows his character he yeah. stopped sleeping with beth as soon as he started sleeping with june he didn't have to do that he's a man in gilead yep he had his friend with benefits, you know, like normal person. And he decided to stop it once he started sleeping with June. That's the yeah. thing that sealed the deal with me regarding Nick. I trusted him implicitly after that. And it shows that he like clearly has pretty significant feelings for June at this point too, because like if he just wanted sex, he could have much safer sex with Beth. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's sleeping with a handmaid. Like yeah. he's going to like stop his safe sex to sleep with the handmaid. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, that doesn't seem smart at all. Like, yeah. He wouldn't get killed with, because... with Beth, but he, he could be on the wall messing with around with, with right, right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. He's really definitely like way feelings. more than physical at this point. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. June, June is having sex upstairs, like as this happens and it is not by her choice at all. I'm Mm-mm. just saying that a lot of lesser men would be jealous or angry yeah, or they'd whatever, be like, right. yeah. acting out yeah. and yeah. So I think, yeah, agreed, Wanda. This is a level up for Nick. Yeah. A big one for it. me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yep. it's also important that the show shows us that. Like the, the breadcrumbs are there. Mm-hmm. People pay attention mm-hmm. about where his loyalties are and how his character is. Right. Well, yeah. Even in the scene we were talking about earlier in the diner, a lot of people, you know, they're like, he joined Sons of Jacob he's a terrible person he's an awful person but they showed you the scene to show you how terrible you know how it happened they didn't show Mm -hmm. you the scene for no reason they showed it so you could tell that he was trying to take care of his family 
his alcoholic brother, his mom's gone. He cannot get a job. Somebody has offered him a job. He can keep his family alive with this job. He took the job. Like they mm-hmm. showed you this scene for a reason. And yet people completely ignore this entire episode. And that's yeah. right. Somebody, crazy. somebody argued with me that he was a bum because he couldn't keep a job. And I right. kept going back and forth telling this person he kept missing work because he was taking care of a family member. And this person told me, well, it was his responsibility because he didn't have to take care of his brother. It was his brother, his brother's choice to be an alcoholic. And I ended the conversation oh, saying, you obviously have never taken care of someone that you love. Exactly. Never. Yeah. Like, that happens you know. all the time where people take mm-hmm. off and say, screw this job. I can get another job, but I can't get another brother or I can't get another sister. So they take off and they go find their brother and sister. That happens all the time. I don't know why the show didn't really add much to his brother and his alcoholism, because that's something that people you know, could maybe see or try to understand, but it, it's not, you know, you just don't let people that you love die of an you overdose. Don't. Like, no. you know, it takes a toll on you. It also, that also speaks to his character, why he's so protective of the mm-hmm. people that he cares about. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we go back up to June and she's coming, you know, she's coming out of the bathroom and she's approached by another commander, Davidson. And Waterford very happily approaches and corrects him and says, you know, she's with me. An evening rental, he calls right. her. Mm. he's an asshole but we've talked about that uh and davidson says outstanding work with the mexican delegation they walk and then they head to the elevator and nick leans out the the kitchen door watching them smoking a cigarette and looking worried and he flashes back to finding the previous offred hanging like hearing rita screams and running up and cutting her down and you know she's dead it's too late and he's watching her be taken out of the house and serena looks annoyed and pissed off of course and she says to Fred, what did you think was going to happen? Which implies that he did the exact same pattern of behavior with this woman. He took it another step, you know, he took her to Jezebel's. He made her act like she liked it. And that was too much, you know? And Serena, and Serena knows about it. Yeah. 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 She found out and the young lady killed herself. Right. And Nick, I wonder if she, you know, what she did when she found out, you know? Yeah. What maybe it was Serena who drove her to the edge. Right. Right. Obviously Fred too, but they both probably had a hand in her. Mm -hmm. Right. Because yes, she wasn't pregnant. So who knows what she would have done. I was thinking about that episode when we, when she goes plays uh, Scrabble with Fred and we find out that, you know, June finds out that the the other Alfred had killed herself. June has a voiceover that says, how did you survive her? So it gives you the impression that it wasn't just Fred. Serena had a lot to do with yeah. her mental, mm-hmm. the punishment that she did and yeah. the way that she treated the handmaids was treating them like shit. And in that episode, also we, we see that because of what she wrote, the Latin thing that I can never pronounce. Um, <laughs> uh, when she asks Fred what it means, like the scene gives you the impression that he, he knew, like he, he had talked to the other handmaid as well and treated her the same way that he was treating them, June. Mm-hmm. It's episode yeah. three, I think, or four, I don't remember, or two, four. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> and then, um, and oh. you see that Nick has tears in his eyes here too, watching them take her out, whereas the Waterfords are just bickering and don't give a shit about yeah. her. Yeah, he can't even look as they're bringing her body past him. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he like looks it away. Hurts his eyes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the script, it said that the first Alfred's death there was a huge turning point for Nick. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, he, that really exposed Gilead for what it was for him. And it said that's when he really saw the rot at that point within Gilead that, that he didn't see or you know turned a blind eye to. That really exposed it for him this, you know it seemed like he initially was going to just put his head down and try to survive until that happened yes that's what i think that yeah. was <laughs> he really knew oh no this is terrible mm-hmm. you know i think maybe that's when he maybe stopped believing some of the propaganda mm-hmm. that they were feeding him like oh no it's not they don't have a choice they don't like this this is terrible that was a definite turning point for him um finding her I can't imagine how traumatic that must have been for both him and Rita. Yeah. Um, to discover that just horrible, horrible. And yet um, not the waterfronts. But yeah, so you see, whatever. Rita was still traumatized by yeah. that because when she found June laying down in, in the closet, she mm-hmm. was she freaked out. Yeah. Yep. They were both really traumatized by that. Mm-hmm. I I think he stopped believing a while before. I think didn't you say in a past episode that in an interview? 
Bruce Miller said that he stopped, you know, as soon as there was a violent takeover. But I think that if, like, even if he stopped believing then, like he was already stuck, like there was, yeah. like, they weren't going to yeah. let him leave. So right. I think that after that, he just simply, I'm here, I'm just going to survive. He didn't go out of his way to make anyone's life miserable. Mm-hmm. And he was just doing the little bits and pieces that he could do without risking because he had, he had really nothing. He had no attachments to anybody. Right. So he just went on and maybe turned a blind eye because of that. I think that's how the majority of people in Gilead are. I mean, they mm-hmm. they conform. They have right. to comply or die. So they right. all just kind of die under the radar, you know, do what they're told because it's a game of survival. So, I mean, yeah. they have to do horrible things in order to survive. Everybody, even the handmaids have to mm-hmm. do horrible things in order to survive. It's either that or you die. Right. So it's not like they're all terrible. There are right. good men in Gilead. Mm-hmm. There are good women in Gilead. It's just the upper echelon there that yeah. has the problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously when seeing seeing the offered one, I don't know, I don't like to call her off dead. That's weird to me. <laughs> they do that in the book, but I don't yeah. like it. It's like, yeah. I don't want to yeah. Offered one. Let's call her offered one. Yeah. When just, yeah, that whole experience pushing him to take some kind of action like a safe kind of action because it's with the eyes but like his reasoning for doing that obviously is not to help gilead it's to yeah you know smile very obvious fred and make sure that yeah that's the only way he could strike back at the commander when right, he got in exactly. became the eye take down the worst ones yeah know? right garbage yeah. out and he yeah. does that immediately he immediately yeah. gets rid of the person that created the handmade system the whole thing with him joining the eyes was such a smart move i think mm-hmm. about this all the time like that was, it was such a good way for him to like have both be able to like have safety and also mm-hmm. like mess shit up for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just yeah. the perfect yeah, way to. Right. And to it gives him purpose in his bleak world. You yeah. know, he is, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. so miserable. So at least he can be like, okay, I have a purpose. I'm going to yeah. get rid of these wicked men. And hopefully yeah. we can maybe one day have a normal society. I mean, it's not going to happen. But it's, you know, one day that that would be his hope. Like, get rid of these people. Having a real purpose right. is very important, right? Yeah. yeah. Getting up every day. Since we're already on that scene and that scene, Price says to Nick, we're going to clean up Gilead's son, which circles right back to the beginning. Uh-huh. We're going to yeah. clean up this country. Yeah. So it's just keeping that cycle going, yep. um, which I thought was I'm, interesting. That really caught my eye when I rewatched it. I was like, that's exactly like the beginning. So we're just right back in the cycle. He's getting Nick back into another yeah. group, you know? I have a doubt. Like, was was Nick always, as a guardian, was he an eye? And then after the first offer died, did he become a plainclothes operative of the eyes? Like, I've gone back and forth trying to analyze that, and I'm not 100% sure, and I don't want to see what you guys think. I don't think so, because I would yeah. think if you're all of a sudden a plain, like, you're undercover. So if he was an eye before, like, out there guardian eye where the people who know because there's eyes that they know he's like the undercover one the one that people don't know you listen to what price says that um the uniform they have a uniform group i forget what he says but and then you have the plain clothes operative so the the ones out front are the ones that we see with the covers over their face they're in uniform and they have Mm -hmm. the covers over their face Mm -hmm. they're still sort of incognito i guess but still they're visible yeah they're visible i don't think i don't know if i mean we have no idea and we're just kind of speculating but like i don't think of them the ones with the with the face things i don't think of them as having like another job you know what i'm saying like nick is a driver right. and an eye yeah. like they're just eyes that's what they that's do yeah those those yeah. are eyes they're, they're not guardians and eyes right, nick, right i think nick became a guardian first and yep. then okay. this when the first offer died that's what propelled him to go talk to, to uh, Price and become an eye. That's what I agree. And, I agree. And because Price, like I said earlier, I which I think he was trying to consolidate power, he put Nick on Waterford because Waterford was the next one in line who can take power away from Price. So that's the thing. I think he was a little paranoid too, and he could trust he could trust Nick. Well, and it, and that actually leads back into Waterford's being paranoid in the next scene. Um, mm-hmm. It just, yeah. it flashes quickly from Nick's flashback to Offered One to him. Does he hit or kick the door? I don't know. 
sounds like he does something to the kitchen he door just like storms he out of it i think it. yeah there's oh, yeah. just like a loud noise yeah. like i don't know if he kicked it or what and then it goes up to the room and and waterford's being paranoid and saying there's always a target on your back she says yeah that happens if you're the boss but just like you know you're saying wanda i think that that is the case when you create a world like this that mm-hmm. everybody's paranoid about everybody yeah and mm-hmm. everyone's miserable even as they're abusing people and so he she says what you know she thinks i don't know she say or does she think why did you bring me here no she says it why did you bring me here mm-hmm. okay. and he mm-hmm. thought what did he say he thought that she would enjoy it uh, my yeah. next something okay. like what he says my next note is he starts molesting her and a single tear drops down her face. Mm-hmm. Oh, saddest tear, saddest tear ever. <laughs> Breaks my heart. I know. And there's sirens in the background as usual. And it's just, you know, it's a whole nother level of humiliation, a, a new level of abuse, making her pretend she's enjoying it. And she knows she has no choice. So once, you know, luckily they flash away from that pretty quickly. And then she sneaks out to see Moira. And on her way down the hotel hall, she hears a man beating a woman, men watching one woman be raped. And when she gets to the elevator, there's a man licking a woman's stump where her hand was cut off. Did you see the, this is weird, but there was a guy having sex with, (laughs) it's all weird, with. uh... No, I know what you're going to say. They were like role-playing a ceremony. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Was that what they were doing? Yes. Oh. They had so a wife was a handmade and a handmade. uniform. They had a wife and a handmaid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they were role the playing that. Yeah. Uh, so she finds Moira, and um, you kind of learn quickly. And she says, "Focus on Moira." Like wants to know what happened, but you learn quickly that Moira's been a little bit broken by everything that's yeah, happened. Yeah, she's broken. She does reveal that there's a female underground that are helping handmaids get out. Uh, but that she got caught, and she had a choice between the colonies and Jezebels, and. That, Jezebel's has all the drinks and drugs you could want. But yeah, so she says, forget about it. And Moira says, you know, forget about escaping. And June is trying to talk Moira into being, you know, Moira again and tells her that Luke got out. But Moira's still like, thank God, but he isn't us. We're alone here. Just take care of yourself. And it's just sad because Moira was the one that was pushing her to escape last time we saw her, you know? Yeah. yeah. They trade off. And she tells her she needs to go, but at least she pulls her into a hug and, and says, I love you. Okay. Like June says that to Moira to try and uh, connect again with her, you know? Yeah. I think too, like, um, I mean, I guess I thought about this more in the first scene when they meet in the bathroom, because this scene is a little more depressing. The fact that Moira is already you know, beaten down and stuff, but I think it's interesting how Fred took her there to mistreat her and abuse her. And then she ends up getting like hope and, and from just knowing more is alive like it's such a coincidence that that would be the way that she would find that out yeah and it's kind of like he's you know unknowingly leading her to a way for her to have sure. some hope and feel like things could get better because she now has her best friend back you know yeah i think that's great they always like she always i think we discussed in an earlier episode she always draws strength from too. the other women and here as much as ever so leaving jezebel's he flashed nick flashes back to watching guthrie's get arrested and we saw that that was the founder of the handmade system so that's what we were talking about when nick joins the eyes to get back at the commanders they arrested him specifically for sleeping with his past two handmaids and skimming from the treasury and then nick agrees to report on waterford because no one's above the law commander and like you said we're gonna clean up gilead's son so then uh, we're back at the house and Serena comes home. Fred's being unusually nice to Serena. And then we enter the uh, the fake breakup. I think no. uh, Tina calls it, what does she call it? The non-breakup? The non-breakup. The non-breakup. Yeah. yeah. I should also, I have to point out, Claudia and I were watching this episode together and she was like, we, we rewound like at least two or three times to watch Nick staring at Fred in the foyer. Oh, I should do that. <laughs> I'm going to do it's that. A pretty good, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good look. It's very Monica similar to the there. to the look yeah. when when she's yeah when they're walking away to go to Jezebel. It's the same kind of energy. Nice. It's good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So then Nick walks back to the kitchen and June says, "Is she home?" And he says, "Yep." In the unfriendliest tone that you've ever heard from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of passive aggressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's yeah. just really stressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not saying it's okay. Yeah. And then he walks back through, and she's like, "Nick." Nick, I'll see you later, Nick. She's acting so nice and like cute. And, and um, he's obviously acting wrong 
And he turns around and says, we can't do this anymore. And she says, Nick. You know what I like uh, there? He thought he was going to say that and leave. Like he said, we yeah. can't do this anymore. And then he's yeah. like, going to leave. <laughs> that was the only part that he was able to get through though. Like yeah. that was all he planned was like, I'll just say this and then I'll <laughs> Can't do this anymore. Bye. And like, I was like, dude, what? Like, no. Not how it's going to I mean, work. I feel like he, he was struggling so hard with the entire concept of doing this that like, yeah. That was all he he had the like energy <laughs> to be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, Poor no, Nick. we're gonna stay and we're gonna talk about this, yeah. rightfully yeah. so. Like, and she's yeah. So you know, I had to go with them last night, right? You know, I don't have a choice. I don't have any choices. He nods, he, which by the way, it's very hard to see, but there's that far yeah. away shot. He I didn't see that. Okay, because he, he nods, which I think is important to go back to that he was not jealous. Right. Yeah, exactly. he knew that. He knew that. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think, I it. think he was so distracted there too. Like the, he's just like, yeah, of course not. Like, um, that's not what this is yeah. about. Do you think he was, and I think part of it is he's forming attachment. Yeah. That's he what does. I was going to say. Do you he, think he knows he is attached? Yeah. He knows yeah, how probably. dangerous that is. Right. That's why you see, yeah. that's why they bring it up in the cart. He knows he wasn't saying don't get attached. You know, he just knows that if you do get attached, it can mean your life, you know, right. if yeah. you're not. If you form attachments, it's easier to mess up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how they to, break you with the attachments. That's how they break, they break you. you. Yeah. Yeah. It is better to not have attachments in a society yeah. like that. Yeah. And so he was, I think, trying to tell himself, like, I need to end this before I get mm-hmm. attached. But he's <laughs> way too late. Yeah. Just way like, too late. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to, ha- you're already way attached. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah, and then I think he realizes it in that conversation. You can kind of see it's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm already gone. He does. Like, I'm <laughs> and then she's yeah. basically like, whatever. Like, I'm mad. You're gonna get punished. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How dare you bring this up? Yeah, yeah. So. And he was so even, but when she's, she was, he was broken by that. Like he was so emotional when you couldn't b- barely see it, but he really was when she said to him. Is this it? This bullshit life. Is this what you want? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was willing. She's willing to die for love. She Mm -hmm. and that's what he. That's she says, or he says, you could end up on the wall. And she Mm -hmm. says, well, at least somebody would miss me. At least somebody will care when I'm gone. And that is literally her saying, this relationship is worth me dying. It's Mm -hmm. not worth that for you. And of course it is. And he's like June and literally those two lines is like the saddest thing like the saddest dialogue in anything ever every time i watch that like as soon as she says that i'm just like done i'm gone Mm -hmm. it's so freaking sad and you know what i like i like that he says you could end up on the wall yeah not not worried about him not us he's not worried about him it's her he's worried about i don't Mm -hmm. want anything to happen to you Mm -hmm. so right there she's saying yeah this is worth it to me to end up on the wall your love I think that's exactly why too, when like, as soon as he realizes that that's the case for her, like, he's like, oh shit. Okay. Well, this is, it's actually better. I'm hurting her. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So I think Mm -hmm. it's like the only reason why he was doing it was because he wanted to protect her. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. as soon as he realizes that that's not, that she's happier and better off with him, even if the risk of her life, like then he realizes he made a mistake. He doesn't expect her, she doesn't expect to be loved. He feels so guilty for the things that he's done. He doesn't expect for her to love him. So when she says that to him, he's like, oh shit. (laughs) Oh, okay, shit. Her, Lizzie's acting, both of their acting in the scene is amazing. So good. The way Lizzie says though, like that's something, like at least it's something. And she's crying, you know, her tears, like Mm -hmm. how does she do that? I do not know, but it's incredible. Yep. And then he stupidly decides to tell her something deep about himself. <laughs> well, you do know in the script, he was supposed to give her more information. I yeah. think I, yeah. that's where we say, learn about her brother, right? His he was brother. supposed to say, I'm Nick from Michigan. Summer is my favorite season. I let my brother drink oh. himself to death. Yeah, that's a lot more. And then yeah. June, June was supposed to say, June. I'm sorry about your brother and leave. Wait, <laughs> so, wait, she's supposed to say what? I'm sorry about your brother. And then, and then, walk then she out. was going to walk out. <laughs> So somebody yes. somebody was gonna be an asshole in that scene yeah and they'd show so, yeah they let nick be the asshole yes yeah. <laughs> why would she walk out then yeah that is weird <laughs> i'm do you think they could bring josh back because they didn't say that i think was it bruce or somebody somewhere said if they don't say something if they're going to show it later so my hope is 
they cut the line because they want to show it later. So can we have, he's mm, out there somewhere. Yeah, he's yeah. out well, there. Can or maybe he's still alive, but I mean, can we have some Nick flashbacks? Can Just we know more information, please? Sir. A little bit yes, more. Yes. 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 Yeah. And I saw Max say once in an interview that like he kind of really liked that line because it was just like perfect stupid male. Yeah. Yes. He laughs at it all the time. Yeah. It's think, funny. <laughs> thinking yeah, the way that it was... he's giving something to her, but yeah. right. <laughs> Nothing. I'm Nick Blaine. I'm from Michigan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, under his eye, Guardian Blaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the summer line was cute like summer's my favorite season her name's yeah. june no june that's cute yeah oh yeah so i feel like in my opinion at the end of the scene is nick would like to retract the breakup but yes june, yeah june. immediately yeah and then i don't know serena gives her a music box on the stairs i i don't know the motivation of serena here but it annoys me yeah. she's just trying to be nice i don't know i feel so bad for june so like in that moment, Nick is broken up with her, and then she has to deal with Serena giving her that. I know, I know, right? <laughs> like in seconds. Yeah, yeah. As she's walking upstairs, and she says, she says, you know, well, this music box is a perfect gift, right? A girl stuck in a box, only allowed to come out and dance when someone else opens the lid and winds her up. That sums it up pretty well, right? She's allowed to go out to get dressed up and go to a fun place when Fred decides that he's going to make her do that. Then I wonder she if she noticed that that music box had a mirror in there. You know, like, mm. didn't it have a mirror? It did. Yeah. 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 Mm. So maybe it was, that's good. It'd be nice to see yourself, but also she could do it. Use it it would be. Too. <laughs> good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. And then she's carving, you're not alone into the closet, which is what Price said to Nick earlier. And I only just mm-hmm. realized that. Oh, Yeah. And she says, if this is a story I'm telling, I must be telling it to someone. There's always someone, even when there's no one, I will not be that girl in the box. Which is kind of from the book a little. Like I remember that and she's like laying in bed thinking about the story, telling the story to someone, even if it's in her head. I think that's pretty close to the dialogue from the book or the her her narrative from the book narration. Okay, I think that's a wrap on our spoiler-free analysis of season one, episode eight. If you are a longtime fan of the show, please come join us on Wednesday when we release our deep dive into this same episode. See you next Monday. You know, I think about us, the three of us, what we could be. I think about it all the time. Please, it's terrible. No, it's not. I know Jim. She's my friend. I care about her. How's your day going? You look pretty. Thanks. I wore it just for you. Her father's a driver named Nick. He helped me to survive. Yes, you can, because I can't lose you. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. What about you? Your girlfriend is a badass. 